If you turn again in your Bibles to Luke's Gospel into chapter 12. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. We can read again the words spoken by the rich man, referred to as a fool. Verse 19. I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? This morning, there were those who made profession, who spoke through their actions, with their faith in Jesus Christ. But there were others who made profession here as well, who also spoke by their actions, because there were those who did not come. Now, it may be there were some who did not make a true profession. Maybe there were some who did not come and sit at the table who ought to have sat at the table. And who have Christ, but did not publicly profess that. But there were some who did not come to sit at the table, perhaps because they do not have Christ. And we're given this account in the scriptures by the Savior in response to an inquiry which was made by a man who was very impressed by the Lord Jesus. He was impressed by the authority with which he spoke, by the power. And so he appealed to him. And we're told in verse 13, he said, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. This was something that the rabbis, the teachers would do, that they would adjudicate and resolve difficult situations. And so he appealed to the Lord Jesus that this man with such great authority would do so. But we see that our Lord's priority was far greater than that. This man felt entitled, and perhaps he had a legitimate claim. We don't know. But what our Lord demonstrated in the answer that he gave him was this. That that man was aiming far too low. That whatever he possessed, that that wasn't the measure of what he was. I wonder if you realize that tonight, that what you possess is not the best measure of what you are. That your life, your life is more than stuff. It's interesting watching children as they learn, as they grow and develop, and they learn new words, and they learn how these words should be used. And there are some words, aren't there, children, which 
have similar meanings, but should be used in different situations. And there are some words you should probably not use because they're strong words, they're heavy words, they're dangerous words. And one such word is fool. A very serious thing to call someone a fool. And yet, we're told here about a man who's called a fool, and he's called a fool by the Lord himself. Isn't that serious? This isn't a misuse of this word. This is a very appropriate use of this word. This man was a fool because he measured his life by what he possessed. And because he thought he possessed much, he thought he had all. And he was a fool. He said to his soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He was a fool because he was denying his soul what his soul required. He expects that his soul will be satisfied with all the stuff that he expects to gather with his riches. And he's a fool because the body and the soul are distinct. They're different. You cannot satisfy your soul with what you put in your mouth and bring down into your stomach. That does not satisfy the soul. You may satisfy your hunger and you may satisfy your stomach for a time. You cannot satisfy your soul by eating and drinking. When you're tired, you can find satisfaction in sleep. When you're upset, you may, or bored, you may satisfy yourself after a fashion with entertainment and ease. But you cannot satisfy your soul in that way. He was a fool because he thought. He could satisfy his soul by denying his soul what the soul most required. Oh no, the character Scrooge. He was so rich and was so absolutely miserable. He had all this stuff and he had nothing. He was bitter and he was twisted. And all this stuff brought him no satisfaction at all. Are you denying your soul? Are you trying to satisfy your soul with what cannot satisfy it? You have a soul. And you are aware of that. And you're aware to some extent of the needs of the soul. And 
And one of the reasons why the character Scrooge is so well known and stands out is because everyone instinctively knows that stuff doesn't bring satisfaction, that wealth and access to these things doesn't fill the heart. It's more than just the heart, isn't it? It's your soul as you stand before God. It says in Psalm 14 that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And maybe you would never say there is no God. It's most unlikely, really, that you would say there is no God because you know there is a God. But you maybe live as if there is no God. You deny your own soul as a consequence. I suppose the big question is this, really. Are you a fool? Does God consider you to be a fool? You know, it's madness to deny your soul. No one likes being hungry, but sometimes you understand there's something more important than just simply satisfying your stomach. Something very important happens, and so you have to forego a meal because you have to do whatever that is because it's more important. Do you not realize the importance of attending to your soul's greatest need? Would you deny your soul? As though it wasn't a legitimate concern? It's interesting, isn't it? This man said to his soul. He didn't say to himself. He said to his soul, soul. He had an awareness, some awareness, some understanding. Though he spoke to his soul, he denied his soul. Because he gave it all these little things. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they are increased to eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? It's saying, no matter how much wealth you have, you reach a point where you have so much wealth, you can't take it in, but you can see other folk and you can see it. And all those who sort of take from it. There's a sense in which the more you have, the more empty your soul is. It's a picture of Scrooge, bitter and twisted. This man's a fool because he's already a rich man. And so he already knows that riches don't satisfy the soul. It's the ground of a certain rich man that brought forth plentifully. It wasn't like a poor man who'd never had much. He was a rich man who already had barns and he already had wealth. But now there was a superabundance of increase. And he thought, this is it this time. That's mad. It's utter madness. 
that he never satisfied his soul before with all his eating and his drinking and his taking ease. So why was this increase going to satisfy his soul? Remember seeing a slogan that said, I know money can't buy happiness. I would just like to try. And maybe you're like that. You kind of, you know this concept that money can't buy happiness. You'd still like to try. Maybe in your mind's eye, you anticipate living your life and gathering stuff. Going places, doing things. Having all this at your in your hands, and you somehow think that that will give your life purpose and give your life meaning and give you satisfaction. You're made in the image of God. If you're only interested in what you can eat and drink, you're acting like a beast. you're ruled by your stomach and ruled by your hormones you're just acting like a creature with no soul you're denying your soul and the reality of your soul and the reality of God and if you act your life out on the basis of that what your stomach wants what your hormones drive you toward whatever your eyes can see What would that bring but shame and sadness and confusion? A dog sleeps at night because there's no conscience, there's no soul. Friends, if you try to live like that, you won't sleep at night. Because ultimately your conscience will testify to you. But the reality of God and your need for peace with God. That's the soul's greatest need, isn't it? Because you know that you're a sinner and you know that God is holy and you know that you will one day stand before God. And so the soul's greatest need is you might be delivered from your sin, that you might be pardoned. And if you deny your soul that, you will live your life Hiding, fearful, without hope. It says in Proverbs 28 that the wicked flee when no man pursueth. The wicked flee when no man pursueth because the wicked's own conscience speaks to him and troubles him. And he feels that someone's on to him and someone's after him. The reality is it's God. It's God who calls that man to account. And it's God who will take hold of that man. Augustine said, you've made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. That's a soul's satisfaction. is to be reconciled to a holy God, a God who has made you and who calls you to himself. And if you deny your soul, you're a fool. So that's my first question. Are you denying your soul? My second question for you tonight is this. Are you distracting your soul? 
because surely that's happening here as well. Because this man, when he sees all the increase in his fields, he anticipates having it and says, I've got nowhere to put it. And so he busies himself in pulling down, he's going to pull down his barns, he's going to build bigger barns. He's an industrious man, he's a busy man. And all this activity distracts him from what matters most. Are you distracting your soul? Always doing something. Always listening to something. Always watching something. Not allowing yourself a moment to think. Not allowing your conscience a moment to speak. Maybe trying to dull your conscience with good intentions for tomorrow. A tomorrow which will never come. And yet because you have good intentions or you tell yourself you have good intentions, you can kind of get through today because tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. It's the Lord who has given this man great resources, but he has no thought of God. He's only a thought of himself. Are you distracted? You can come to church. You may sit in church and not listen particularly. You may live your life from Lord's Day to Lord's Day and try not to think at all about this. Because there's tomorrow, isn't there? There's the rest of your life, particularly when you're young. The rest of your life, you can maybe think about it then, but first you'll do this and first you'll do that. And you have this kind of plan set out. And really you're distracting your soul. Instead of pursuing after the Lord and crying out with an urgency. Realizing your need to be saved. It says in Mark chapter 8, What well, shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? You know, so what if you're successful? This great master plan that you have, supposing it all went to plan and you were successful at everything you did, would that satisfy your soul? No. Would that compensate for the loss of your soul? No. This wasn't a stupid man. This was an intelligent man. This was an industrious man. But this was a man who had no wisdom. This was a foolish man. Because all that intelligence and all that industry was wasted. Because he neglected his soul's need. He covered everything as it were. He was successful at what he did. Maybe because of his industry, his fields brought forth his harvest. And he couldn't have been unaware. Even the annual harvest would speak to him to some extent about the final harvest, a day of judgment, a day of ingathering when the reapers gather. From day to day, from night to night, we sang in Psalm 19, 
the rising of the sun testify to God in the heavens and his glory of our standing before him. The soul is distracted. You know, the Lord said to his disciples that the rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, it's impossible for a rich man to be saved, but it's very difficult. Because the rich man has all these distractions. He has all this illusion of power because that's what wealth brings, isn't it? You're wealthy, you can do anything. You can be anything. You can have everything, anything. This man thought that he held it all in his hands. But really it held hold of him. It held him in bondage. And this isn't a problem only for those who are rich. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be successful to think that wealth is your answer and to love riches and to neglect your soul and distract yourself in a pursuit, the pursuit of satisfaction apart from God. And God said unto him, Thou fool, thou fool. He thought he had all that he required out there. And he also thought he had control over his soul because he thought he had all these years in which to enjoy it. But he didn't, did he? He can't have been a very old man because very old men often have a realization they don't have many years before them. He thought he had many years before him. Just in the same way as you do, children. Because you think that you'll live for a long, long time. And maybe you will. Maybe you won't. Because this man was described as a fool because he had denied his soul and he distracted his soul. And that night, his soul would be required of him. That night, his life would end and he would stand before God to give an account. And he'd neglected his soul. He'd hardened his heart. He'd denied the testimony of conscience. He'd rejected the testimony of creation. He'd rejected what God had spoken through his word. I wonder. It says here, but God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Did the Lord say that to him? Did he hear that said? Or was it said more concerning him? Did he have that specific warning? He certainly had many warnings through his life, through the gracious providence of God, just as you have. And the Lord says to each of us tonight to be ready. Not because necessarily our lives will end tonight, but because our lives will end. And this much we can be sure of, your life will end before you expect it. Even supposing, children, you're given to live to be a very old man or a very old woman, it will end before you expect it. 
And the Lord in his mercy warns you. So don't distract your soul by pursuing all these other things. These other things which may, they're not without importance, but they're not of first importance. The Lord says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things shall be added. They'll follow in their place. Well, you need to work hard. You need to bring in. You need to provide for your family. You have to be responsible. But first, you must pursue after the Lord Jesus Christ. You must do well in school. You must attend your lessons. You must honor your parents. But first, first, seek Christ. Attend to the needs of your soul. Cry out to the Lord and acknowledge your need of a Savior and cry out that he might deliver you, that he might save you from yourself and he might save you from himself. Because if you're not saved, you will stand before the wrath of God. It is God who will cast you into hell. Well, are you denying your soul? Are you distracting your soul? And are you destroying your soul? Because if the answer is yes to the first two questions, then that's what you're doing. You're destroying your soul. And any good intentions you have concerning tomorrow is only a hardening of your heart today. And if you're hardening your heart today, are you going to be more ready tomorrow to cry out to the Lord and to forsake your sin? If you live for your sin, and if you put the Lord and the things of the Lord to one side, are you going to be more tender tomorrow? Or are you going to have more tomorrow with the prospect of more the following day? If you delay, then you are denying him. Because you're saying not now. And if you're saying not now, you're saying no. You may flatter yourself with your good intentions, but that flattery will not bring you anywhere before the Lord. When on that final day he was saying, what did you do with my son? How did you respond to the Lord Jesus Christ who was presented to you, who made himself known to you in the preaching of his word, who was declared again and again, as he is gracious and ready to save, calling you, Pursuing you. We find him in the scriptures pleading with you. Come unto me and be ye saved. All you ends of the earth. Now fool this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? They'll all be taken. And not be yours forevermore. You may have some of it in your hand for a little time. But this man, he never even reaped his fields. He never filled his barns. 
He never got it. Someone else got it. He knew nothing of it. Are you denying your soul? Are you distracting your soul? Are you destroying your soul? Or will you deliver your soul? And that's the purpose of considering this tonight. Is to plead with you. That you might deliver your soul. And you might flee from the wrath to come. That you would cry out to the Lord to save you from yourself. You cry out to the Lord to save you from himself. That you would not be left exposed to his wrath. But rather find shelter in Christ. I say, will you deliver your soul? He is the Savior. He alone can save. And yet he who is a Savior instructs you to call upon him and to seek him, to believe in him. You're not to sit passively and just wait to see what might happen, but you're to give yourself, you're to strive. Strive to enter in. And you're to leave everything else behind. Put everything else in second place. Jeremiah 29, 13, ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. It's emphasizing your responsibility, isn't it? It's a gracious promise. The Lord will make himself to be found, who is giving himself, but calling you to call upon him. Will you do that? Some of you, you see your mother and you see your father, your grandfather and your grandmother. You see your friends rejoicing in Christ. But will you deliver your soul? Call upon the Lord who is ready to save the one who is a friend of publicans and sinners. You're ashamed. You're ashamed because of your sin. You're ashamed and you'd be fearful if anyone knew really what was in your heart. And you hate for it to be exposed. But the Lord knows you. And he knows the depth of your heart. And the deep depravity of your thinking. The horror of what's in there. And yet he calls you and all the filth of your sin. To come. And to be cleansed. He's ready to receive filthy sinners. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the unrighteous. So easy, isn't it, to try to somehow exclude yourself? Say, well, there's hope for others, but there's no hope for me. Maybe if you've been challenged before and your heart has been tender before, and yet you've never come, you fear that. Your chance is gone, and yet he calls and continues calling. And in mercy has brought you here this night. And again, you're presented with the gospel. Because his mercies are great. 
Isaiah 55, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You seek the Lord, you will find the Lord. You call upon him, he will hear you. Code that we'll get what we want at the end. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you truly want him, if you truly seek him, you call upon him, you shall have him. And if at the end you do not have him, it will be because you did not want him. Sometimes we like to make excuses. Excuses why we weren't able to do something. Friends, if we stand on that final day without Christ, there is no excuse that will justify your not having him. And he presents himself in the gospel. If you do not have him, it will be because you did not want him. So don't stop short with religion, attending in church. That doesn't bring you close enough. It's Christ. Will you deliver your soul? Confess your need. Confess your inability. And yet as you do so, pursue. And by grace, take hold. You say, but I have no power. But he has power. He has power to give power. Remember as he spoke to the man with a withered hand and he said, stretch forth your hand. And what was the very thing the man with the withered hand couldn't do? Stretch forth his hand. So he was to obey and do what he couldn't do. And yet in the act of obedience, he was given power to do so. Not because he found that power within, but because there is power and there is grace to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ, who speaks to you dead and in bondage. Come unto me and live. Take heed, beware of covetousness. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. man said to his soul, soul, though as much goods laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But the Lord said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You're not rich toward God. Do not fall upon your knees tonight and cry out and confess your poverty that he might deliver you and make you rich. There's no good reason not to, is there? There's no good reason.
And what might you have that would compensate for the loss of your soul? Nothing. Nothing at all. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, grant that we might stand faithfully before you humbly, confessing the truth of our own hearts. Grant, O Lord, that we would no longer be ensnared by the deceitfulness of riches. Pray, O Lord, that we would not be satisfied with a show of religion. We pray that we would not dull our conscience with the promise of good intentions for tomorrow. O grant that we would not be fools, but make us wise, wise unto salvation. Give us all needed strength. Enable us to cast ourselves upon you. O Lord, in mercy be our saviour. Give us confidence in the gospel and to go forth with the gospel and to cry out to your God that there will be a reviving and a quickening and advancing of the kingdom of light and the throwing back of all the influence of darkness. Begin, O Lord, here. Begin with me. Begin with us. We ask in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen.